Hi supporters, welcome to A New Way of Supporting, a podcast for supporters, by supporters. This week we're going to be talking about the first year experience. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Veronica. We're student learning coordinators here at Nipissing University. We usually work out of the Academic Skills Centre, but right now we're working remotely with whatever technology we have. So please forgive any sound quality and if you can hear my son's cartoons in the background. Based on our experience supporting students virtually, in this episode, we will share with you the typical life cycle of an academic year here at Nipissing University. What challenges through the cycle will your student experience during their transition into the virtual learning at the post-secondary level? In the second half of the episode, we'll be joined by Dr. Pat Mayer, Dean of Teaching, where he'll discuss the university's role in supporting students uh, in this virtual environment. Let's move into our first segment. So in our first segment, let's discuss the typical life cycle of student learning in the virtual environment during the first semester. So let's uh, talk to Lindsay about what we think uh, students should do prior to September. Well, I think one of the best things that um, they can do before arriving, I mean, number one is enjoy their summer (laughs) Um, and enjoy that time off. But maybe starting to think about um, what what they might be getting into over, over the next semester and how they're um, day-to-day experiences will kind of change. Um, I would start getting them comfortable with the idea that, um, courses in the online world are maybe going to take more of their time than potentially they expect. We do recognize that online learning should generally take about, um, seven to 10 hours per week, uh, per course. So there is a lot of content and that includes getting through your weekly material and it includes studying and all of that stuff, working on assignments. Um, But starting to get that into their headspace would be a good thing. Um, We also offer uh, transitional programming through the summer. So I I run an academic skills uh, clinic for students that they can attend to get an idea of what the expectations are gonna be and they'll be learning about more about that in the, the coming weeks. Um, that's what I would suggest. Do you have any thoughts that, that you've kind of suggested to students over the past? I know with math, it's a bit different. Yeah. And with math, uh, sometimes, uh, if you're going to be starting a math course right away in September, then I suggest if you're anxious about it or you want to understand what to expect to have the student, uh, contact me. And typically, I will know the math course and what the students should be doing to prepare for this course. Additionally, students should also be visiting the bookstore to see if their textbooks are available at this point. Um, There is a, on the Nipissing website, uh, type in bookstore and you'll see the link and there'll be a list of courses and the books that are required. And you can start uh, making sure that you have all the resources you need for all the courses. Mm-hmm. So what would we do now in September? So classes are starting, first day of class. What do we do in the virtual world? Um, yeah. So 
I think in a lot of ways, especially the first week of class, a student can kind of expect similar things that they might have expected on campus, which will be kind of nice if they transition to on-campus learning uh, later on. Um, that transition will sort of be similar-ish. Um, in that first week, they're going to be collecting their course syllabi, so the outlines, and that's a super important document that um, I would definitely encourage your students to be um, looking at and really uh, getting to know that document. It includes um, due dates, it includes uh, assignment values, it assume, sometimes includes descriptions of what lectures are going to be about and what they're going to be learning. And it most certainly includes the learning outcomes for the course so they can have an understanding of what they're kind of working toward. Um, so collecting that syllabus and not you know, forgetting about it in the bottom of the virtual academic backpack <laughs> uh, is a really uh, helpful uh, thing to do because then they can take that material and put it into their organizational system. They can start to lay the foundation for a successful semester. Um, the other things that they can be doing in September is communicating with their faculty member about expectations, like um, academically, what does the faculty member expect? What does the faculty, if there's uh, online participation, what does that look like? Um, and they can really spend those first couple of weeks of a course getting to know the course, uh, getting to know whether or not this is a course that they want to be in because there are opportunities to make changes early in the semester. Um, by connecting with academic advising, of course. Um, outside of that, I would say um, making connections with different on-campus or online on-campus um, uh, resources and uh, trying to incorporate some positive study habits. So rather than waiting until there's a test coming, starting those study habits early. Like the, the second week of classes is a great time to start studying uh, the material you learned in your first week. Um, so establishing those habits early means that by the time midterms roll around, you've kind of been studying for six weeks or, or whatever the time frame may be, um, which is a much healthier way of doing it than sort of celebrating uh, the night before <laughs> an exam. And, and in our uh, roles, when we support virtual students, we often see that virtual student not thinking that it's important to start studying because you kind of do get far removed from that classroom experience. You really do need to keep up on the required readings and the required math problems or whatever it is in September to develop, as Lindsay, as Lindsay said, to develop those study skills and keep on pace with what the professor has laid out for September. Yeah, and actually you bring up a great point. We probably should have said earlier, we've been working with students in this online world for years, um, supporting students in different programs, working with different faculty members. Um, we've seen students move through entire degrees um, in a virtual world. Um, so we do have sort of a, a background in in where things can go really, really well and where things maybe can go a little less well. So in October and November, mm -hmm. what does that life cycle look like for the student? Oh, that's uh, quite often uh, October and November. That's where, how, how do you say it? The, the dust has fallen off the rose or... The, <laughs> The bloom has fallen off the rose. 
um, quite often, you know, the excitement of the first few weeks of class has kind of dulled a little bit. Um, you know, the weather quite often is also shifting. And on top of it, these first kind of large scale assessments are happening. So in September, they may have assessments that are worth very little of their mark overall, but now we're getting into midterm season. Um, so what we see, you know, where we haven't had positive habits around time management and self-care, we start to see the results of that. So if they haven't been managing their time super well, if they haven't been taking care of themselves, um, when more of a stress load is applied to that student academically, um, we start to see it manifesting kind of around the, the time of midterms. Um, we do have reading week in October, which is a nice reprieve but for many students that reprieve you know reading week historically should be that opportunity where they're you know maybe catching up on a couple of items they're starting to work ahead on assignments um, that's really the intention of reading week is to be able to get look toward those large assignments from the end of the semester and get started get those started right then um, but quite often we see this is a time where students are sort of um, flustered and trying to catch up um, on what they were doing. Um, and, and that kind of continues through November. The thing about November is that now they're getting the results from those October assessments. <laughs> so that can come with, you know, the good and the bad. <laughs> um, this is when we have quite frank conversations with students is that should we be thinking about dropping the course? Because this is the last chance to drop the course without an academic uh, penalty, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We want them to be making informed decisions around that. Um, the other thing is maybe even having conversations around managing expectations for the moment. So if we have students who have tendencies toward perfectionism, which you, you know your student, if they have that kind of... Um, that kind of sense. <laughs> um, being able to say, you know, you're in your first few weeks of your first semester of university, how, like, how can we um, handle some academic disappointments? This isn't the end of the world. Um, those kind of conversations maybe need to be, be had at this point. Um, and again, in, in the world of the supporter, being able to feel confident to make referrals to different support services that are available to that student, the better. Okay, so now we're heading into December, and this is the time where final exams are put forth. Mm -hmm. And they'll write their finals, and we will move on to the next segment of what second semester will look like in the virtual world. Exciting times. <laughs> Welcome back to our next segment, the second semester. In this se segment, we'll discuss what uh, the typical life cycle is during the se second semester. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's much like the first, <laughs> however, there are a few considerations. For example, what about the six-credit course that continues into January? Lindsay, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so with the six-credit courses, so the ones where a student may not necessarily have a break um, at uh, when the when we have the winter closure, um, 
in February, we start to see the larger assignments for those courses being due. Um, so that's something just to be aware of. Uh, we're also mindful that for those courses, there potentially are more um, uh, exam-based assessments, so more testing opportunities. So they've sort of been going through the material for that course for a really long time without, um, without a break. Um, throw on top of it that <laughs> the uh, the knowledge that you know it's winter, um, and potential unique challenges that just come with it being um, cold and um, a bit darker and, and that kind of thing. So we're dealing with more um, fatigue based, I would say. Like, do you know what I mean when fatigue based yeah. concerns at this point? Like they're ready especially by the time March rolls around, they're kind of ready to be done. <laughs> um, and you did bring up a good point earlier where there might be financial challenges at this point of the year too, depending on how things have gone um, for the individual student. Um, so lots of maybe extracurricular challenges that um, manifest in the academic world. Um, because everything at the end of the day, when you're in... Um, in school, a lot of the um, concerns, the peripheral uh, concerns to academics, they show up in the academic world um, because that's where the student kind of spends a lot of their time. Absolutely. And then they're heading into their final semester months mm -hmm. and getting very close to the end of their first year. And there could be some challenges about worrying about whether or not they can enroll for that second year. Mm -hmm. And yeah. do you have any thoughts on that? I think um, a lot of students do tend to catastrophize what is happening. Um, one of the best things that they can do is try to stay informed of where they stand in a course. Um, and that's where I know I've worked with students on, you know, getting a realistic snapshot of where they are. And I know Veronica has done that um, as well um, so that they can have a better understanding because sometimes a student will get, you know, a few bad marks and they're just on edge and thinking, well, that's it. I'm, I'm done. Um, but that may or may not be actually the case. Um, and they should uh, definitely come and meet with us if this is a case because we do have ideas of mm -hmm. how to proceed Absolutely. in such cases Absolutely. so Lindsay what would be before we close out this segment and mm -hmm. bring on our guest what would be your number one thing that you would say about learning in the virtual world for a student your number one tip my number one tip is I would say for them to be taking it as seriously as they would sort of an on-campus um, course. It is gonna take time. It is, there's gonna be time invested in, into each course that they're, they're taking. Um, so the sooner they kind of wrap their head around that idea that this is more than just, you know, checking into a website every once in a while, um, the better. <laughs> and my, my number one tip, uh, especially for math students and even science students, is that, 
get your your notes your study tip your study sheets your cheat sheets whatever they are get them uh ready for these final exams because there are situations now where you are allowed to have more than one cheat sheet for a math test so get your resources and your notes in a very organized manner that you know how to flip through it and be very um precise yeah when you're getting ready for those final exams and the cool thing about getting ready in that way is that it's actually a sneaky way of studying <laughs> exactly <laughs> so that's that's those are some uh those great tips veronica but uh you're right we should move into our guest and actually i am going to be spending uh time with uh dr pat myself so we'll be uh, chatting with veronica at the end of our episode Welcome back to A New Way of Supporting Supporters. Uh, for this segment, I'd like to introduce Dr. Pat Mayer. He's the uh, Dean of Teaching, uh, working most of the time out of the, out of the teaching hub at Nipissing University. Um, but again, we're continuing to work remotely at this time, so uh, he seems to be working in a living room, <laughs> from what I can tell. <laughs> uh, so yes, thank you so much. Yes, I'm in, I'm in a spare bedroom, so that's how that's how we do right now. Um, so thank you so much for making the time to uh, connect with us and the uh, Lakers supporters. Uh, if it's okay with you, we just have a, a couple questions uh, to we'd love to get your perspective on. Um, so number one, um, how should what should students do to prepare um, for the courses that will be offered in the virtual world? Well, I think the best, uh, you know, a couple different suggestions for mm -hmm. students to prepare. Um, I think students and faculty and staff, everyone involved, um, you know, needs to work on their patience and their empathy and their flexibility and things mm -hmm. like that. Just being aware that, you know, not everything's going to be perfect. And, and as best as we're able to, we're, we're, we're still aiming to provide a, you know, a top quality educational experience. Um, with wonderful faculty and staff working hard all summer to uh, get things ready, but there, but you know, students and their supporters need to understand that nothing's going to go off without a without a hitch. Um, you know, video conference calls uh, have issues. There's issues with bandwidth, mm -hmm. um, etc. So that level of flexibility and being prepared for that is important. Mm -hmm. um, I think also moving into the virtual world, it is important to to test things out, right? So now in the summer, it's worthwhile thinking about, you know, do I have um, a, a laptop or a computer that I can use for my studies, uh, mm -hmm. that I can dedicate to those studies so that maybe I'm not sharing with, you know, my brothers and sisters and my mom and dad and everybody, everybody under the sun and having to schedule things around that. So maybe getting prepared with some of those hardware resources, mm -hmm. um, but also testing out some of those hardware resources, right? Like, what does it look like at your house when three people are trying to watch Netflix at the same time as you're trying to do work on a, on a, on a course or something else, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I know for me personally, um, my bandwidth here at home struggles when my kids are watching movies and I'm trying to have a, a video call and my wife's trying to have a video call. So so getting organized around some of that mm -hmm. um, and where possible, um, you know, 
testing out some of the tools that might be used, right? Like if you're if you're unfamiliar with having video conference calls, um, which not a lot of people are anymore, but you know, testing out the different systems. And at and at Nipissing University, we use Blackboard mm-hmm. as our learning management system, and we use Blackboard Collaborate mm-hmm. um, as our video conferencing within courses. And so, if you're able to get familiar with those, um, make sure that your hardware. Can can run Google Chrome because that seems to be the uh, the processor, the the sort of web browser that works best. So really, it's about being flexible and testing things out now before you get into the class. Absolutely, that's that's uh, really great advice. If I had known about my bandwidth issues before we started working from home, I think I would have had fewer headaches, uh, especially in the beginning. <laughs> And some of that can get fixed. I mean, some of it is a call to Bell or Rogers and say, saying, can you upgrade me to the next level? And some of that, if you live in the country, is is unavoidable. Right. But the, I guess the way that we as Nipissing University have sought to, to assist our students and our supporters is to encourage our courses to be asynchronous, right? And that might make things easier if not everybody is trying to get on 9 to 5, and it's okay to do your coursework at 10 at night in your pajamas because the coursework is there on on a a, a not real time basis, right? It's there for you to to access when it's convenient to you. Okay, yeah, the distinction between synchronous and asynchronous has come up a few times. So that's um, also really good for the supporters to know. Um, So how should we acknowledge that struggles are probably going to happen. And of course, online learning is a skill in and of itself. Um, So how should a struggling student approach their professor um, in this virtual world of learning? And what can they kind of expect? Well, I would expect, um, you know, I think students need to recognize that their professors may be struggling as Mm -hmm. much as they are, right? So the professor's bandwidth might not be perfect. The professor might have three kids running around in the background as they're trying to run these lectures. Mm -hmm. As we, as we, we, I I don't like calling it working from home. It's really living at work is the, is a more appropriate way to put it these Mm -hmm. days. Um, And so um, I think a struggling student needs to have a little bit of empathy to start with, right? Mm -hmm. That, that a professor is doing their best best and will try to respond as quickly as they can. Um, I think the the actual how they might reach out to their professor um, is probably a bit um, unique to every course. Like I, I'm hoping that professors up front on the first week or the first couple days will will explain, you know, here's how the course course is going to run. Mm-hmm. If you if you need to contact me, here are my preferred methods. If you contact me, you can expect a response in X amount of time. Right? Like I don't think anyone should expect. That if you if a student sends a prof an email at eleven o'clock at night, that they're going to get a response at eleven fifteen, no, right? Like yeah. so. So there's a little bit of if we were in our face to face world and you asked a question, you might hear back in a couple days, and that, I would say that that would be be normal mm-hmm. um, in the virtual world as well. And I, and I would say that professors will probably have their preferences, like. Um, some may say, you know, please send me a note or post into the Blackboard Learn shell mm-hmm. if you have a question um, or email me directly. Some may go as far uh, as to say, you know, you know, here's my cell number or please send me a text or something like that. So I think it is a little bit dependent on each professor. But as long as we're, you know, we're still operating in that sort of 
generous spirit of of responding within a timely manner that Mm -hmm. is probably a few days if it goes more than that then of of course you know follow up again um and and the means by which you um communicate that you're having those struggles is, is probably course dependent okay yeah absolutely um so I said this was going to be the last question, but something popped into my head. So I might tack it on the surprise question. Um, We know that some of the common concerns that supporters have are around students forming relationships, um, like with their peers, with their faculty members and uh, things like that. Um, Is there any advice as it relates to that? Because that's been coming up quite a bit. Um, that you could give to students by way of their supporters um, yeah. around that in this virtual environment. I mean, it's it's entirely different than when I was dropped off on my university campus. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think one of the things that we've done out of the teaching hub uh, this summer to, to support the faculty members is really encourage them to think about how they're going to engage with their students and the, and the ways that they can create community in the classroom and really being... Um, quite intentional about that, like Mm -hmm. recognizing that as faculty, as instructors, they'll probably need to put more into their classroom that they wouldn't normally have, right? Like Mm -hmm. be intentional about getting your students um, interacting with one another. Be intentional about making announcements in the discussion forum that are about other things on the go. Because, yeah, I, I fully recognize that the things that students are actually missing out on is, you know, the interaction in the hallway, right? When they're walking past that bulletin board and they see there's a cool event coming up next Thursday. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no place for them to do that. So we've, we've sort of encouraged instructors, bring some of that into your course. It's okay if you put up announcements about some online webinar talking about sport sports marketing in your chemistry course, right? Because you're trying to create that atmosphere that students engage with. Like, and obviously, um, student development services is doing some of that as well, but I think professors need to be mindful of it mm-hmm. um, in addition. And also create some spaces and actually create multiple spaces um, in their course shells where that... Um, sort of off-topic or off-course content conversation can happen, right? Mm -hmm. Because students are also missing out on those, like, 10 minutes before the class begins when they just kind of congregate and hang out in the classroom and talk about whatever it is that they're doing. Well, there's no space for that, really, in the virtual world either. So so what we've done is instructed that, you know, best practices for teaching online does involve... um, community development. It does involve student-to-student engagement, student-to-faculty engagement, student-to-staff engagement, Mm -hmm. and some of that will need to be intentionally brought into the classroom. Yeah, I love how much we've learned about online learning since I took my first (laughs) online course a a few years ago. Um, (laughs) It really has come a long way, and it's been exciting to see the announcements coming out of the the teaching hub through our, our emails. Um, so I want to thank you so much for your time today. And, um, do you have any final words for our supporters? Well, I think my advice would just be, you know, be supportive of, of your student, um, and, and assist them as best you can. They're going to be under a lot of stress. Their professors are going to be under a lot of stress. 
Um, so it's a bit about flexibility, but mm-hmm. I think one of the bonuses of um, the way that we've sort of tried to develop um, the asynchronous structure is to give that flexibility so that there won't be a lot of like the student must be there from three to five on Thursday after afternoon and if they don't the wheels will all fall off their university education right mm-hmm. we're trying to, to think about you know what content can be posted there and flexibly accessed by by students one time four times, ten times, um, and then what level of community interaction or engagement can go and support the students to move past the content, right, and to allow the social sphere um, to happen. I love it. This is, it's, it sounds like it's going to be a really exciting, though busy and stressful, uh, an exciting uh, time, certainly in your area. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, perhaps no time was more critical to have these sort of supports, you know, a center <laughs> for teaching learning and and things like that. And, mm-hmm. and we at Nipissing, you know, sort of <laughs> got the ball, ro- ball rolling on that just before the pandemic. Yeah, this is all rolled out quite in a timely, a timely kind of way. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for your time today. And um, hopefully we'll, I'll see you on campus at some point eventually one day. <laughs> Exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, if you have any more questions or, or there's any more follow-up or any pieces of this interview um, we, we need to do again, um, that, that's great. I'm mm-hmm. happy to do that. And, and um, you know. Well, supporters, that brings us to the end of our first and maybe last season of A New Way of Supporting, a podcast for supporters by supporters. I want to thank you for tuning in over the past couple weeks, and we really hope that you took some good information um, away from this about the university and about the first year experience overall. Um, At least from my side, I'm going to say that I'm really looking forward to potentially working with your students over uh, the coming uh, weeks, months, and years. Um, and maybe even getting to see you again um, when they graduate uh, in a few years. Yes, thank you supporters for joining us in our podcast series that included such titles as Student Wellness and Unique Learning Environment in which we can range anywhere from negative 40 to positive 40 (laughs) for temperatures. (laughs) Enjoy looking ahead and all that the future brings. Goodbye, supporters. Bye, supporters.